Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. everyone and welcome to From the Newsroom, our semi-occasional podcast from the Holland Sentinel. Coming to you remote live is myself, editor Sarah Leach. Hello. And I am joined by managing editor Audra Gamble. Hi, Audra. How's it going, Sarah? Well, you know, surviving another day. <laughs> no, it's, it's been a week, that's for sure. Well, today we're going to talk about um, some of the well, I mean, there's really no other way of putting it. Just disturbing um, events and, and imagery and um, and rhetoric that we've seen over the past uh, few days, especially in Washington, D.C., and also some of the ramifications and ripple effects that that might have in Michigan. So, Audra, any hot takes on any of the things you've seen lately? Um, you know, I think that there are kind of moments where, you know, even with 2020 being an insane news year that it was, there are still those moments where you think, oh, I am living in those moments that future children will learn about in history books. And Uh it's very odd. Uh (laughs) Um, I mean, I remember, you know, when I was in school thinking, man, it would have been so cool to live through, you know, the civil rights movement in the 60s and all the whatever. And now that I am living in unprecedented times, boy, high school me was very wrong. It is not wrong. <laughs> I, I would like to go back to precedented times. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it was it was just kind of surreal to watch the footage Wednesday of, you know, Trump supporters breaking into the Capitol building and, you know, breaking down windows with, like, shield things. And, uh-huh. um, you know, we've seen from, from some of the criminal charges that have been filed that more than a few were armed with various types of, right. you know, weapons. Right. There was that armed standoff that was right outside of, uh, I think that that was the house chamber, wasn't it? I believe so. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, from the news side, we were trying to figure out as quick as we could, you know, where is the Michigan delegation in, in all of this? Which of our representatives were, you know, on the floor of the chambers? Who's safe? You know, who have we heard from? So that was, uh, Certainly not how we expected our Wednesday news day to go. Right. Um, but, it, you know, seeing the, the fallout and sort of the, the trickle down from that has been um, kind of dizzying in terms of just the sheer number of revelations and resignations and, and all of that since then that it's, um, yeah, kind of has everybody spinning a little bit. So we thought we'd break that down a little bit, especially with a, a Michigan spin because we had a lot happen. Right, right. Yeah, I think that one of the most striking things for me is that when when you're watching something in real time, if it's not um, if it's not an event that is like what I recall of 9-11, where you have, you know, obviously just just um, a high speed moving, massive object moving towards a stationary, massive object. And there's just so much to take in. This was a different kind of a, event, although not, uh, you know 
not a different scale. I think it's the same scale, but it's just a different um, form of, of um, trauma to watch where it was more slow moving. Um, and so, but increment by increment, the, the anxiety rose while watching it as they inched mm-hmm. forward. And you, and you know, you keep telling yourself, well, like, somebody's going to stop this. Somebody's going to step in. Somebody's going to make it better. Um, and then it just didn't, never really happened. Um, and so I think that that was unusual because then a day or two later, you then see the highlights of some of the more disturbing imagery and, and, and many events that happen within the major event. And when you see it all cut together, you realize the scope of how awful this was, where, where you yeah. see the worst parts. Yeah, I think, too, you know, it, part of what was so wild to me is, you know, just sidebar, we're also in the middle of a global pandemic. Right, to, right. You know, no big <laughs> to deal. Add to the, the, you know, a little <laughs> spice to it. But, uh, you know, it was kind of wild to me that that the individuals involved in, you know, actually entering the Capitol building were so open with the fact that they were doing it. No one that I saw was wearing masks, Mm -hmm. you know, which I mean, other than the fact that they're helpful to not get ill, but also would have been more difficult to identify these individuals afterward. Yes. Um, But there really seemed to be no regard for, you know, future ramifications for being on, you know, national television. And, you know, somebody took a selfie with Gerald R. Ford's, statue wearing a, you know, a a Trump hat. Um, The individual who broke into Nancy Pelosi's office took that photo of him with his, you know, big boots up on the the desk. And all of this was being shared in real time on social media. And, you know, from the perspective of a journalist who has, you know, my background is in covering crime and and court cases. Mm -hmm. The whole time I just kept thinking, all of these people are going to be identified. I mean, that's, like it was just so surreal to see the the lack of, you know, I, I guess care for the, that 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 would happen, um, right. and that was really shocking. I think to see repeatedly that you know people who had just been, um, you know, tear gra- tear gassed in the rotunda, then immediately were on CNN talking about their experiences and giving their first names and right. you know what towns they're from, and I just kept being like, stop talking. <laughs> Yeah, I think it just, yeah, it, it kind of underscores how uh, radicalized I think some of these individuals have become where they're they're just absolutely convinced that the position that they have and the actions that they took were completely justified um, unequivocally. And and now uh, so they're they're proud of what they did. Um which I think is probably the most, one of the most disturbing aspects of, of this entire event, to be quite honest. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. There, there were what, six people from Michigan that were arrested um, so far in connection to right. this event. Um, what do we know about, about the individuals that, that were, um, that are now facing charges from our state? Yeah. So, I mean, obviously there's, there's so much happened and there, there's still a lot of unpacking going on and in terms of charges being filed and that sort of thing. But so far, um, the Capitol police released this big PDF of like hundreds of names and you didn't get hometowns. It just said what state they were in. So Mm -hmm. from that list, there were six from Michigan. It looks like at least a couple are from West Michigan. Um, you know, it's, it's a little hard to tell this early on, but it looks like there's at least one from Wyoming and one from Grand Rapids. Some of them were, were charged on, um, just simple 
um, breaking the curfew charge. Mm -hmm. So that would have been after um, the major event. Right. The the mayor of D.C. put in a strict 6 p.m. curfew. So I think half of them were just, I mean, not just, but, you know, like it was just a simple curfew breaking charge. Um, A couple of them did have weapons, according to the charges that have been filed against them. So we'll have to kind of wait and see as more info comes out, you know, when those police reports are, are finished and we can acquire them and that sort of thing, we'll have a little more info. But I, I can't necessarily say I'm surprised that there was a Michigan contingency in this this crowd of people. Right. Because we saw kind of the the prototype, I guess, of what happened at the, the D.C. Capitol in Lansing earlier in 2020. Mm-hmm. Um with, you know, armed individuals, the vast majority of whom were, were President Trump supporters, lots of red hats, lots of, um, you know, non-mask wearing individuals trying to, to storm into the Lansing state capitol right. um, when they were upset with Governor Gretchen Whitmer's um, COVID orders. So, you know, to a certain extent, it, it felt a little bit like deja vu just amplified, you know, in, in terms of the scope, watching the live coverage on Wednesday from what we saw in our state earlier last year. Yeah, I think that the the way that I, I, I heard somebody else say this, so I'm completely stealing it from them. I I was shocked, but I wasn't surprised. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, we, we've seen, like you said, we've seen these actions in Lansing already today. I'm, I'm sorry, it, earlier this year, but we even had a domino of eff- mini ripple effect just a day after the DC event right. when we had a bomb threat that turned, turned out to be bogus, but not, you know, those are extremely serious. Absolutely. And somebody said that there was a potentially a bomb at the at the Lansing Capitol, and they had to evacuate it and investigate it. And that turned out to they they did identify the Michigan resident who called it in. But you know, in our reporting over the over the summer with the plot um, that was un- uncovered to potentially kidnap and and presumably harm or perhaps even kill Governor Gretchen Whitmer. Um, it really kind of exposes some of the extremism that is happening, probably more than likely nationwide, but especially in Michigan. What, how, what do you think are some of the factors that contribute to that? You know, I think that there, it, it's kind of like a perfect storm that has to happen, right? There's, you know, people that are, are genuinely very upset that their livelihoods have been affected or, or taken away because of COVID-19 orders they have genuine fear about, you know, their incomes and, and, you know, how they're going to provide for their families. And that's understandable. Um, but there also is a, you know, significant portion that comes from misinformation and, and that sort of misinformation being repeated by, by people in authority positions, especially politicians. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I think you saw that, um, from some of the, the Republicans in, in the Michigan um, House and Senate, and then obviously also, you know, further up the chain, where there are, you know, conspiracy theories or just straight, you know, factual inaccuracies that become repeated and repeated and repeated. Mm-hmm. And then it becomes this sort of strange bubble of like insular inaccuracy. And when you hear something enough times from someone with enough authority, it becomes much easier to believe it to be a statement of fact, whether it really is or not. And that's 
that sort of, you know, disconnect from reality can be incredibly dangerous. And I think that's what we saw, you know, in, in the Capitol in D.C. Wednesday. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate that so many things that I think under any other circumstances, we would not see politicized. Like if, if we had a different political uh, landscape nationally, would we see this further division of the country over things like social distancing and masks and vaccines? I, I, I would hazard a guess that probably not. You know, it's unfortunate that we had to, that we had the situation of the pandemic being caught flat footed and then also having leadership, um, you know, locally, statewide, and also nationally that just further fought over every single aspect of of this, which just entrenched everybody even deeper into this, you know, you're either on this side or you're on that side. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think it was particularly impactful just seeing how, like, the span of, of the events Wednesday through I mean, you know, today is, is Friday afternoon. We're still seeing the fallout. We're still seeing, you know, all of this chatter about, um, you know, we've had a lot of politicians say that they're in favor of the 25th Amendment being invoked. There's a lot of talk of additional impeachment proceedings. And last night we had this series of, um, you know, individuals in in the White House resigning, which you know, at, you know, two weeks out, it kind of feels like you're really putting in your two weeks notice rather than really <laughs> resigning. Yeah. Um, but, you know, one of those individuals was Secretary of Education, Betsy DeVos, who is from Holland. And right. it's... Who was one of the few people who actually was stood, was a cabinet member from the beginning of President yeah. Trump's term, term to the end. So I think that yeah. when we reported a, a legacy piece a couple weeks ago, she was one of only six people, I think it was, that that actually survived the four-year Trump presidency. Right, yeah. And, and in her resignation letter, you know, which was released pretty late Thursday night, she talked about, you know, Trump's rhetoric and, and the incitement of you know, the actions in the Capitol being sort of her tipping point of, you know, I can't be a part of this. Yeah. Well, her and her family, obviously everybody in Holland knows about Edgar and Elsa Prince. They're, they're huge uh, donors for the Republican Mm -hmm. party and a lot of Republican causes, not just in the state, but also nationally. And so they, they wield a lot of power. We, We tend to think of them as just, you know, our West Michigan people, but they wield a lot of power outside of the state and to lose them um, as your backers is a, is a pretty significant event. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, we also, just a reminder, <laughs> had other huge breaking news on Wednesday that the, um, the, the Senate in D.C. has flipped control to the Democrats with right. the, the two races in Georgia. And there are also, you know, Michigan kind of ramifications fall out of that because now that the Democrats are in control of the Senate, both of our Michigan senators, Gary Peters and Debbie Stabenow, assuming that, you know, no massive committee changes are happening, are going to be chairing committees in the Senate. So Gary Peters is going to be chairing the Homeland Security um, Committee, which is a big deal. And Debbie Stabenow will be chairing the Agriculture Committee. So you're going to see, you know, a lot of action from from the Michigan delegation in D.C., assumingly, in the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, they, they have different styles in terms of how they they, they perceive 
you know, senatoring. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, I think that, does. yeah, Absolutely. I think that, um, that Stabenow tends to be a little bit more of a bring people to the table, um, try to form uh, coalitions in order to, yes, she is a Democrat. She, she is a liberal, but she's a little bit more of a moderate. Um, and, and I think that she does a lot of behind the scenes work, but then Gary has been around longer. Exactly. Yes. Gary is fairly new to the scene. And yeah, he just got elected to what a second term, I believe. And yeah, so he's the junior Senator. Um, however, he is one of the most, uh, productive, um, legislators in the Senate. Um, he got a lot of legislation passed during a Republican controlled Senate period and during a Trump presidency, which is nothing to sneeze at. So he also is able to get a lot, a lot done. So it's going to be interesting to see, yeah, how this will affect what their productivity is going to be able to. to Right. Yeah. And and, you know, when I think of, you know, kind of the things that Gary Peters pushes really hard on, I think something we saw last year was he's adamant about funding for Great Lakes cleanup and Great Lakes preservation. Mm -hmm. So that's, you know, something that obviously directly, you know, uh, affects Holland and the Lakeshore. So that's something to keep an eye on for sure as, as we move into the, this new Congress. Yeah, I, I think that uh, one of the things that also struck me as um, interesting, I, I guess, is the best. <laughs> it just seems like Sorry. such a such a <laughs> inadequate term. Um, when you look at the representatives in our area and how they how how where they stood going into this week at Capitol Hill and then where they ended up at the end of the week. And so we all know that um, uh, U.S. Rep. Bill Heisinger signed his signed on to his support in, um, in, a, in a lawsuit that was initiated in Texas to potentially overturn the election results in Michigan. He went on to explain that he believes that that there were some problems that that he felt with the Secretary of State issuing applications for absentee ballots and um, other other issues. And he he's kind of um, put context to it where he thought that something some process needed to happen in order to allow time to be able to review some of the processes in the state. Now, however, you see Fred Upton, who is the the congressman to the south, who I, I guess his support of this was a little more tepid I, would be the way that I would phrase it. He did not sign on to the support of the lawsuit, which ultimately ended up getting uh, thrown out of court. Um, but going into that week, uh, you know, Heisinger was, was pretty, he was waffling about whether or not to challenge um, some of the electoral votes that were going to be counted in, in Congress on Wednesday. And I mean, and then, and then the riot happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I think that this is something that you see from time to time surrounding national crises. I mean, you know, um, it was really fascinating hearing, you know, as as the news kind of trickled in, and and frankly, as as Congress people got their phones back, right, right, <laughs> um, you know, could say, you know, I'm okay, or you know, I've been a, you know, barricaded in my office or whatever. Um, you saw this this sort of bipartisanship and and this camaraderie that is often not there. Yes. <laughs> in DC, right. you know, I was listening to an interview with um, Representative Debbie Dingle, who's from the east side of the state, from Dearborn, um, and she was talking about how she was on the floor um, of the House, you know, when everything started, and um, the the newest Congressperson from Michigan, Peter Meyer from Grand Rapids was in the gallery. So he was, you know, kind of above looking down and the, the security individuals, you know, said, 
everything's happening. Right. <laughs> Um, you know, they're, you know, individuals are trying to get into the Capitol building and they instructed Congress people to reach under their chairs on the floor of the house and grab gas masks from underneath the, the, the chairs. Right. And that also they needed to, um, you know, be, be prepared to duck under the chair kind of deal. Right. You know, In case they had to tear gas the, some of the, some of the incoming rioters. Right. 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 And, um, you know, Debbie Dingle was talking about how, you know, she has not, doesn't have like a long relationship with Peter Meyer. He's brand new, but he was texting her from the gallery asking if she was okay, you know, what she needed. And he is a, a military veteran and mm-hmm. was explaining to her and, you know, other individuals who had military experience in that room, how to put on your gas mask correctly, because, you know, they don't really go over that in, you know, congressional orientation. Right. <laughs> and, you know, as everyone was you know, you can can kind of picture the chaos of, you know, we have to go under, you know, these underground tunnels to get to these different places, what's mm-hmm. going on, mm-hmm. you know, that, that chaos. Debbie Dingle talked about Peter Meyer making sure she was okay. And, you know, everyone was running and she's not a spring chicken and, you know, ha- you know, ha- kind of guiding her and making sure she was all right. And that sort of bipartisanship, we'll see how long lived it is. <laughs> but in that moment, you know, it was really, really kind of heartening you know, among the chaos to see that those lines kind of broke down a little bit. And it was just, you know, that Michigan delegation working together to get to safety. Yeah. And even when we have political differences, like, for for example, some of the Republicans were were pretty adamant about wanting to challenge some of the Electoral College votes and and to have this play out a little bit longer. Other people said, let we need to just let this go and move on for the for the greater good. But then when this event happened in, in D.C., all of a sudden, everyone w- somehow found something that they could all agree on. And they I, I'm almost positive that all of Michigan's delegation unilaterally condemned the violence and that this was a, no matter what your political inclination is, that this was too far. And this right. is not the way that we resolve differences. Yeah, I mean, it will be. Yeah, interesting to watch as we go forward, how long that that collective memory right. <laughs> lasts. Um, you know, especially you continue to see, you know, news came out today that that President Trump does not intend to attend the inauguration on the 20th. And, you know, there was all of the, you know, hubbub about him being banned from from social media for certain amounts of time. And so, you know, it's always a little interesting to see how long that that memory span lasts when mm-hmm. events like this happen. But, um, yeah, there's certainly a lot to unpack in, in the coming days. And see how things unfold in the next, what are we at? 12 days. (laughs) And we'll be here to podcast about it. We'll be here to podcast about it. That's for sure. (laughs) All right. Well, any uh, last thoughts to add? Uh, You know, it's, it seems like we are now in December 39th of 2020. (laughs) I know. I, I think I joked yesterday about, you know, when did 2020 apply for an extension? Seriously. Oh my God. Yeah. I'd like that, that, uh, that trial of 2021. Let's reset that. <laughs> uh, hopefully things will be calmer as we go forward, but who knows? Yeah. From your, from your lips to God's ears. Oh, for real. Okay. Well, that will do it for this episode of From the Newsroom. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time. Just going to run this 
dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.